0: grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. What is it that brings you joy? Is it a few of your favorite things, like raindrops on roses or whiskers on kittens? Is it when you complete a big project, like when you finally have your entire house all cleaned and organized or completing a semester at school? Or is it just something as simple as being able to say how your day was as it was, it was good? In fact, it was great. Many times, where we find our joy is from our surrounding circumstances. That if life is going well, well then normally joy is close at hand. But when life is not going so well, well... Joy is probably not going to be close by either. One of the things that is helpful when we speak about being joyful is to remember that joy is not the same thing as being happy. Happiness is an emotion that is great while it lasts, but it's not going to be there at all times. Joy, on the other hand, though, it's something that is is deeper, that can be with you even when you are no longer happy. And the joy that we have as Christians is something that is especially unique because it's not drawn from our surrounding circumstances. No, rather it's drawn from God's promises. A joy that is with us everlasting. It is an unending joy that is with us in every circumstance, whether it be good or bad. And as we look at our verses this morning and consider Paul and Barnabas's mission trip to Lystra and afterwards, we'll see how they had this unending joy that continued with them through all the good and bad that they went through there in Lystra. And we'll also listen in their words of encouragement to consider how this unending joy may continue to be ours in every circumstance, even those that are troubling. When Paul and Barnabas first arrived to Lystra, that is one of the cities in central modern-day Turkey, things began off pretty well. Paul was preaching the good news of how there is forgiveness of sins through faith in Jesus Christ, and among the crowd was a crippled man whose weak feet had never walked a day in their life. That man believed the good news. And after Paul healed him, everything changed for the better. Those weak feet were made strong, as he leapt up on them and as he walked around with a heart filled with joy that he could now get around like everybody else. And without a doubt, Paul and Barnabas were also filled with joy. To not just simply be agents of God's miraculous love, but also to be with him on this special day to celebrate with him. But things would soon change in Lystra. That joy would be hard to maintain. When the Lystrian crowds heard what had happened about this miraculous healing, they concluded that it was the Greek gods, Zeus and Hermes, who were in their midst. And they thought this because of a local legend where an elderly couple had unknowingly welcomed Zeus and Hermes and were very handsomely rewarded for it in the end. The Lystrian crowds did not want to miss this opportunity to pay personal homage to these false gods, And so they made sure to welcome them. Yet when Paul and Barnabas finally understood what was happening and what they thought they were, they put a drastic stop to the red carpet treatment that they were about to receive. And as if that wasn't bad enough, then came some disgruntled Jews from the towns of Antioch and Iconium, cities where Paul and Barnabas had been to not too long ago before they effectively got chased out by those who didn't want to hear about Jesus anymore. These disgruntled Jews, they persuaded the list and crowds to not just turn against Paul and Barnabas, but to stone Paul and to drag him outside that city, leaving him as good as dead. Talk about a disastrous end to a mission trip. Certainly that joy would have been hard to maintain. It began so well with the miraculous healing of a man who had never walked before. If you had gone through circumstances like this, how would your joy have suffered? Would you have continued to be joyfully known as a Christian, to be known publicly as a child of God? Would you have joyfully gone about sharing the good news of who Jesus is with those who still need to hear him and perhaps don't want to hear about him? I pray that you and I never go through circumstances like this that Paul received in Lystra. But we certainly do receive the same temptation to lose the joy we have as Christians. And when we base that joy in our surrounding circumstances, it is so easy to fall into that, to lose sight of what our Lord has promised us to become fair-weather Christians. I'm certain you've come across a fair-weather sports fan at least once in your time. That that person who, who cheers for the team when the things are going good or they just won the division, they won the championship, and as long as they're on that winning streak, this is who they are cheering for, and they are joyful to do so. But once they're on a losing streak, or the star player gets injured, those cheers are quieted, or perhaps redirected to a whole different team entirely a fair-weather sports fan. In many ways, when we find our joy from our surrounding circumstances, we can also be a fair-weather Christian who's joyful only when things are going good because of what's happening around us. When the church is full and the singing is loud, when our Facebook page has pictures of us serving one another, we're joyful to be called a Christian. When the pastor is preaching on something that is close to our heart's passion, or if we read in the Bible what we were already thinking was the case, we joyfully listen to our Savior's voice. But when the church isn't as full, or we receive that cold shoulder of persecution, we may not be so joyful to be a child of God anymore. When the pastor's words touch a little bit too close to home, or if the Bible corrects what we have thought was the case, we may not joyfully listen to our Savior's voice. And when the devil, the world, and our sinful nature have their way with us, we may want nothing to do with God. We become a fair-weather Christian because our joy is found from our surrounding circumstances. Rather, that's not where we look. Our unending joy comes from God's promises, not from what's happening around us. We've heard this morning just what a few of those promises are, how our Lord will provide for every need, just as he did for those Lystrians who in former generations turned aside to their own ways and to worthless things. We have God who has made known to us who our Savior is, just as he was to the Listerns, who Paul and Barnabas that day. We have the promise of our present reality of Jesus' Easter victory that our sins have been paid for because Christ is risen. He is risen indeed that salvation is ours, filling us with the same joy the disciples had when they saw Jesus after that little while of his death and time in the grave. We have the promise of a future reality of heaven when we will walk through those pearly gates to be with our Lord and Savior and every other person whose name is written in the Lamb's book of life. These are the promises that you and I have. Promises that do not depend on our surrounding circumstances. Promises that are given to us by our Lord that give us joy without equal. Because that's where we look for joy. Not what's happened around us, but to our God and His promises. And that is what makes our joy unique. Because our God's not going to change. And he's not going to fail to do what he's promised, what he said he's going to do. His joy is unending and unchanging. That it is ours. Even if we were to find ourselves in the circumstances of being mistaken for Greek gods, stoned and left for dead. Speaking of those things, we pick it back up with Paul. And see what happened to him after he was left for dead. Although he seemed it, he was not quite dead. In fact, when the other Christians, when the disciples came and gathered around him, he stood back up and was well enough to walk back to town and spend the night there in Lystra. But the next day, he and Barnabas, they set out for Derbe, the next town on their mission trip, where the Lord blessed them with safety and a number of converts to the faith. After some time, they returned to the home base and retraced their steps, going through the cities of Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch and strengthening and encouraging the Christians there with these words that we must go through many troubles on our way to the kingdom of God. That may not sound all that encouraging to you. But in fact, it is. We shouldn't be surprised. Rather, we should expect that our time between here and our time in heaven there will be troubles we have to go through. We can be joyful, confident that our Lord will use them for our eternal good to bring us closer to Him, even if there is very real hardship along the way. But when you go through the hardships, is that the advice that you typically hear? That we must go through hardships on our way to heaven? one phrase that I've often heard recently is that we just need to stay positive when bad things happen. And that's not necessarily bad advice. Generally, it's good to focus on the positive so that the negative doesn't overwhelm you and send you into a downward spiral. But that advice will only get you so far because it puts the emphasis on you to keep yourself positive. And if you cut out God from the mix of how you can remain joyful, where are you left to look? Likely to your surrounding circumstances, which as we have covered will not spell lasting joy. It'll be there and then it's going to be going away. Rather, where we look is to our God and his promises to find that joy even in those hardships and those troubles. The promise to provide for us. The promise to forgive us. The promise to welcome us to our home in heaven. These were the same promises that Paul and Barnabas had and every other promise that God gave that kept them joyful as they went forward in their mission trip. They remained joyful not because they were superheroes or a higher class of Christians than anybody else. No, as they told the Lystran people, they were just regular men who came to share the word of God. But it was in that word where they learned of those promises and trusted in them of the unchanging one who gives us lasting joy so they could remain endlessly joyous even in the midst of their hardships. And those are the promises that you and I also have. Our God will provide for us. Our Savior will forgive us. Our Father will welcome us to our home in heaven. We also have the promise of the present reality that our sins indeed have been forgiven because of Jesus' Easter victory, assuring us of that salvation and that joy. We have the future reality of our time in heaven with all the blessings waiting for us there above. And as we journey to that home in heaven, we pass through many hardships along the way. They say that what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And that's not necessarily true. There are some things that hurt us and that will permanently damage us on this side of heaven. Yet, even in those moments where we struggle to even fake a smile on our face, we have joy because of what is yours and what will be yours by the one who never changes because of God and his promises to you. Joy that is yours even in the most struggling and troubling of circumstances you could ever imagine. As you look forward to the years and decades that you expect to have until you reach your home in heaven, don't be surprised by the troubles that you will go through. Perhaps you even know what some of them are going to be ahead of time. But no matter what the trouble is, remember where to find your joy not from your surrounding circumstances, but from your God and his promises. He will provide for you. He will forgive you. He will welcome to your home in heaven and every other promise that he has given to you. And this is our joy that we have uniquely as Christians because God himself is unchanging, a joy that is given to us irregardless of what is happening in our world that can never be stripped or taken away or reneged by God. But also remember where you are going when you're in the muck and mire of those hardships, you're going to heaven. Just the other day, one of my students in youth catechism class made the astute observation that our time here in this world is really just a blip in time, especially when you compare it to the eternity of heaven that is to come afterwards. And while, yes, there are real hardships that hurt us and that grieve us, they will be nothing but a distant memory when we get to where we are going. It's because of that we can view our time here for what it is a temporary time of hardships, bracketed by Jesus' Easter victory, and on the other side with our future reality of our home in heaven. And throughout it all, we have unending joy because the God of His promises to you in your every circumstance. Amen.